don't know if you picked up on this either, but we purposely asked um, our seniors who've been leading us in worship to come and lead today. Will you please join me in thanking them for not just today, but a whole time and season here leading us into God's presence. Thank you, you guys. And I realized as we reflected on having kind of seniors lead um, that I was kind of out of place in this. I realized looking back at the calendar, reflecting on what it was like to feel to be back in your shoes to be a senior and realizing that now actually on a senior sending chapel, I'm closer now mathematically to being in the AARP kind of senior than I am to being a Dort College graduate senior. And man, does it go fast. Old people say stuff like that all the time. I feel like it was just yesterday. It was what I was thinking about this morning. Like, I remember exactly what it felt like getting my robe on that morning and going to a senior breakfast and getting all the different stuff together and finding your seating arrangements and coming on here and thinking that I knew what the next season of life was going to look like. I thought I had it figured out. We didn't even have a global pandemic And it's been one series of surprises after another. We come and we gather and worship and remind ourselves that God is good and he's the center of the story because it's really at the end of the day all we have to cling to. There are so few things that we as your faculty and staff and support and cheering squad can guarantee you tomorrow will look like or the next day. But I know the one thing remains. I know that his steadfast love endures forever. I know that he's good. I know that he's the king of my heart and yours. And that instills excitement within us. Going to college for two, three, four, five years of our lives, it took me six, um, for whatever amount of season that is, we kind of, we have this time, and what this really is, is a unique incubating kind of catalytic stage for your discipleship as you get ready to prepare yourself to be salt and light in a new way. This isn't supposed to just simply be a fortress, a monastery, or a convent, or a place that you come with high walls that protects you from the rest of the world as you get to live comfortably as a subculture. You are called to be salt and to be light. This time and this season of life has been only for the purpose of accelerating and enhancing and loudening your witness and preparation for what it means to go out into the world and live so when people see you, they see the weirdness of Jesus within you and the effects that he has on your life. And make no mistake, you will be weird. We all got up here today and put shirts on that say Dort. See, in a community like this, that's kind of normal. When you leave this place a week from now, you will be in environments where people will ask you, what the heck is a Dort? They will have never heard that combination of letters together in one word ever before, and that's only the beginning. The weirdness that is supposed to mark you out in the world is so much bigger than the bizarre name of the school that you attended. I have learned from the leaders of the African church this new paradigm of viewing what our role is. 
They've said that a church's influence and power and authority rests not in its seating capacity, but in its sending capacity. If you want to measure the greatness of a Christian institution, measure not how many people show up and not a if you build it, they will come kind of mentality. But what is the end effect on the world in salt and light and in Christian flavoring and in love and service and ministry mess and the witness of Jesus that goes forth from it? Now, admittedly, we are not the church, we're an academic institution. But by our very nature, we are a place of sending. And make no mistake, you are supposed to be hurtling out of here. And you might not feel a lot like hurtling right now. You might be getting to this day and maybe your cup feels a little more empty. You might not feel like a racehorse in the starting gate. You might feel like you need a little bit of Sabbath or a little bit of rest and that's okay. As I reflected on this this week, I realized that Dort's role in the stage that we play in the maturation process of a follower of Jesus is sort of mimics the growing up process of God's people as it moves from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Some of us in Core 150 read through textbooks that describe God's model of witness in the world through the nation of Israel as moving from a centripetal type of force to a centrifugal kind of force. Where they were supposed to have laws and enact the ways of God and the temple in Jerusalem where the Shekinah presence of God dwelt. Where the nations of the world could come and experience a flavor of what it meant to live under the blessing of following Yahweh. But as time moves forward in the New Testament church, the model moves from being centripetal kind of coming to Jerusalem to centrifugal as it spins around and throws and sends people out and Jesus commissions the disciples in the great commission and the promises is that the followers of Jesus would move from the central places where they gather to the far-flung corners of the earth and then as they go they would develop the veracity of their witness the strength of their faith as they learn to have their life orbit the cross and as you learn to find that centering presence in your life and it speeds up, it actually starts to sp spread energy out. It spreads people out. It flings people out. And if you want to have a greater influence in all of that, all you got to do is increase the centering power in your life, the role that it plays. Anybody want to be great in this world? Get closer to the presence of Christ. We are told that our witness and our effectiveness is wholly dependent on one fuel. It's not your career drive or your charisma. At the end of the day, your ability to truly make a difference in the world will continue to depend on your ability to kneel before the cross. See, that earlier stage of God's people growing up, they kind of all came to the same place and now, they're getting flung out. At Dort, we kind of seek to replicate that model of maturation, and you're moving through that phase into the next phase of life. You came here. Now it's time to get thrown out. Flung out. Launched out. Answer your call. Find your place in the Great Commission. 
But I will warn you that the world that you're entering, just like Jesus said thousands of years before, won't always be friendly to you. If you want to base the movement of your life around this, around the cross, and your place at it, it won't always be friendly to you, and it will be hard. You will have to say things that are counter to the prevailing culture around you. You will have to make choices that will go against the grain sometimes of the institutions you are asked to work at and serve. You will make choices in the values that determine your life that won't always align with everybody else around you. And what's harder maybe for your generation than for any of us who have gone before you is that the majority position in the West no longer belongs to the church. So you're not part of the norm or the majority anymore. This actually puts you further in the margins of society. Make no mistake about it, that is the place. That is the moment in culture where we find ourselves. And it is a challenge put upon your generation that does not exist and did not exist for mine in the same way. Times have changed. But here's the good news. When God called his people together, he's kind of got this habit of helping them understand their role against all odds from the very beginning. So you find yourself in a great pattern. The first ones, Genesis 12, God calls Abraham and Sarah and says, I'm going to build a great nation out of infertility against all odds. When God's people were enslaved and he tells Moses, you're going to go liberate them from the most powerful dictator and army history has ever seen. I'm not going to have you put an army together. I'm just going to give you a staff. And if you're too chicken to go alone, yes, you can take your brother with you. And then they get in the land and they're supposed to form all of this and they're going to go into wars and, and Gideon starts to amass this army and God says, no, you need to send most of them home because I need you to know that the greatness of your power and strength in the world lies not in the size of the army that stands with you but the size of the God who sends you. So Gideon, send them home. Let the world see it is not about your greatness and it is not about your size. It is not about your strength. It is about your God. When David lines up to fight Goliath, Saul wants him to put on the armor of the world the way everybody else fights. David can't even walk around in it. It's so uncomfortable to him. The man after God's own heart can't put on the armor. It's too awkward. And God builds a story out of it to inspire children for thousands of years to come. You don't have to need to become bigger and better and stronger than everybody else. You just need to know the God who is. The God who relishes in sending his people into the impossible. Ezekiel say to these dry bones, prophesy over them. Breathe on them. Tell them to live. Even in exile in Babylon, Jeremiah 29, God's telling his people, put down roots Settle in this place for your prosperity is inherently now tied to the very places that hold you captive. Their prosperity is now yours. Serve them. Build houses. Get married. Form families. Start businesses. Settle down. Buy land. 
embed yourself in them, but don't lose the centrality of who you are in the middle of it. Tony Campolo once said that we might live in the best Babylon in the world, but it's still Babylon. And the same holds true. You might find a great place to live, and you might find a great job, but make no mistake, friends, it's still Babylon. As the biblical story continues over and over again, God's people continue to find their best witness when they don't hold a majority position. And all the Barna research and data that's starting to come out is they're starting to identify this fourth quadrant within the Christian community of resilient believers, similar to the way God always preserved a remnant, have always been forged and made stronger through the trials that have been put in front of them. So when they come in your life, you need to know that this is not a moment that is indicative of a God who has abandoned you. Or a formula of prosperity that didn't work. But rather God asking you to do hard things. And as a result, there might be moments in time where God actually protects you from becoming wealthy. Or the most influential person in your workplace. Because he needs your heart to be the resilient disciple in the margins. Sometimes you might be asked to make those decisions yourself. But like David and Gideon and Moses and Abraham and everybody else in your family tree, sometimes it's the very demonstration of our weirdness and our weakness that becomes the loudest exclamation point on the name of Jesus that we get to speak. So next week, those of you who are leaving, when you walk across the stage and grab a diploma that says you're done here, you're only getting started. And your role in the Great Commission says that it's only just begun. And as you go out and form homes, let them be the shelter, a lighthouse in your community and in your neighborhoods. For a bunch of weird people who look really different, May the characteristics that define you and the resume of life that the world speaks about you be populated with words like this, the ones that the Spirit wants for you. That when they talk about you, they talk about love. That when they talk about you, they talk about joy where the world can't find it, but you know where it is. And when they talk about you, they talk about peace when everybody else is warring with one another and fighting for scraps that fall from the table. You, you have a peace that cannot be taken. Jesus promised you he'd give you that. And in our instant gratification, fast food world, may you be patient. And when everybody else is short, may you be kind. And when everybody else wants to be right, may you be good. And when everybody else is fickle, running from one fad to the next, may you be faithful. And when everybody else subscribes to a theory that you kick down your own doors of opportunity and you make your own breaks, may it be gentleness that defines you. 
And when everybody else is moved and swept by this teaching or that or the latest fad or trend, may you be governed by self-control. I hope you heard in what I just said the listing of the fruit of the Spirit. May they define you and guide you. May the Spirit make them your ability to increase sending capacity for God's people in the world. The ones who come into contact with you. And when they meet you, yeah, they're going to meet a dork grab. But I hope even more than that, when they meet you, they meet the Jesus in you. And that it's unmistakable. And I want to promise you this, that even if it's weird to them, the more real that Jesus is, the more beautiful it is, and the more it answers the deepest longings of their lives. As we get ready to transition and close, I want to ask, um, I've asked a couple of um, faculty and staff to join us in prayer um, over you. And so I'll ask them and the band if you guys could all come back on up um, as we head towards our closing. And as we do, I want to ask anybody, if you are transferring out, if you are moving away, if you are retiring from this place, if you are graduating, um, if you are not going to be here with us, at least not that you know right now, in the fall, will you please stand a minute? We want to pray over you. We want to commission you. We want to send you. And I know not everybody from your class could be here, but we're going to imagine you are representatives um, of the rest of that class. The rest of all those who are going. So. Amen. Mark, you want to start us off? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray for strength for all that are finishing their final semester at Dort, either as a student, staff, or faculty. Give them good health as they leave Dort University and seek to serve you in your kingdom. We pray for emotional, physical, and spiritual strength as they serve others in their families, their communities, their churches, and their vocations. Go with them with your love and grace wherever you are calling them to serve, both near and far. May they be blessed with clear minds as they seek to do your will, to study your word, and be the hands and feet of Christ in all times and in all places. Encourage them in their daily walk with you in prayer, in fellowship, and in worship. Almighty God, give them the courage to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you, their God. May you bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Turn your face toward them and give them peace. Dear Lord, we just pray as we send out all of these students, Lord, we know that you have promised that nothing will separate us from the love of God the Father, and we just go into all the land, through all of our country and throughout many countries, Lord, use each one of these students for your good purposes. God, we just pray over each one of their relationships. We pray over their friendships, their dating relationships, marriages and families. God, may they spur one another on, encouraging each other 
in Christ Jesus. Lord, we just pray that they will sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. May we do that in our friendships, holding each other accountable where we need it and in encouraging each other as well. Lord, we pray that each student, as we send them out today, that you will use them in their neighborhoods and communities. Lord, I pray that they will be the salt and light, even in Babylon. Lord, we pray that they will be finding churches where they can serve and be a witness to you and to many others. Lord, we just pray that you will give them boldness and courage and strength. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Lord, we want to thank you for the, the terrific work of flavoring and preserving that you've done in, in these outgoing seniors' lives these last four years. Lord, we want to thank you for the work of igniting their, their lights and for helping them to learn how to shine bright. And for these young men and women as they go out, Lord, we now pray that this flavoring and this preserving, this work of salting that has, has happened, that it would it would remain strong in them and even increase, Lord. We know that their growth, their learning, their development is not done because college is over. And we pray that they would continue to grow in their saltiness. And lastly, Lord, for boldness. Their light will need to shine in very dark places. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give them the courage and the boldness to shine for you. In Jesus' name.